Welcome back, Secret Squad, to a new episode of I've Got a Secret. I'm dialed in with a woman that, well, when I say her name, I just get so excited. Melissa Rivers. See, I'm like super, super excited right now. Melissa is, and uh, let me take a deep breath for this, because she is an award-winning producer, journalist, television personality, best-selling author, philanthropist, actress, mother, and now podcast host. If you're anything like me, you have loved following Melissa over the years. So I am thrilled to chat about how, through good times and bad, she has used her intellect, humor, and big heart to create the amazing life that she lives today. This is the secret to always being fun and fabulous. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, Robin. (laughs) Hi. I haven't seen you guys in a while. I know. It's been too long, actually. Way too long. But I think we all feel like it's been way too long since we've seen a lot of people. I totally agree about that. Philip and I both love and adore you. And when I told him that you were my guest today, he got so excited, not only for me, but for the two of us, because he said, oh my gosh, you two should really be best friends and should get to spend more time together. He said, I am thrilled that you're going to be able to spend time with her today. Well, you have both been so supportive and so lovely to me through the years. And especially when times were a little bit lean, shall we say. Well, we've always loved you. I'm just going to say that again. Thank you. I'm so happy to talk with you. I don't want to take too much of your time because if I had a chance, I would spend like five hours with you today. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, yeah, my son's the exact opposite. It's like in and out as fast as humanly possible. (laughs) It seems like we have so much in common. Oh, we do. I'm excited to dive into everything. So let's just do it. How are you doing today? I'm actually doing really well today. Today has been one of those days that's been super positive. And not every day is like that. We started the morning with a a celebratory breakfast for someone, part of our staff's birthday. I got a nice workout in. I came home. We laughed. You know, I got to see some, a friend of mine who's been uh, struggling for a while came by. So, you know, it's, it was, it's what, so far, it's one of those days where things have been positive. That's wonderful. But it doesn't mean when I answer the phone next, it's not going to be, you know, a killer, but I always say, you know, some days you, you're safer playing in traffic than answering the phone. <laughs> that's what I always say. You're you're absolutely hilarious. But but see, that's what I love about your positive attitudes. You just rattled off quite a few fun and positive things that already happened in your day, and you're ready to take on some more. Right, and it's not always that way. Yeah, exactly. So we all know there's some days, you know, as my mother used to say, you wake up and you're like, what fresh hell is this? You know? <laughs> There's days, like I would say, I'm safer playing in traffic. That's so funny. But there is no such thing as the perfect life. We all know that. There's no such thing really even as the perfect day. But there there could be. Our day is not over yet. So I was so thrilled to see that you added podcast host to your long, impressive resume. How much do you just love it? Oh, my God. It's the best. It's so much fun. You know, you really, you get to be yourself. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like a lot of times it's like the network has taken the shackles off. Yes. Because you're kind of in charge of your own 
topics. You can do what interests you, not necessarily the lane that you're put in. That's so true. It's a great way to describe it. I want to tell the listeners right now, the name of your podcast is called Group Text. So explain to all of them what that means, what it's all about. Well, when it started, and you know, it's evolved in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. When it started, it started because I have, I'm fortunate I'm knocking on glass because that's what's on top of my desk. Uh, It started by, I have very funny friends. And I have lots of different groups of friends. Most of them play well together, but sometimes they don't. Uh-huh. And I, you know, there's always a couple of group texts going. And I just realized, like, we're all talking about different things all the time. We're all interested in different things all the time. But mostly, as sometimes they're serious, mostly they're funny. Uh-huh. And they're fun. And except for when it shouldn't be, obviously. And I thought, that's really interesting. We're, we're all talking about different things and yet it's still all the common thread is me Uh in these group texts. So I'm like, this should be a podcast. This should be, you know, as you know, when you do a podcast very often, they want you to stay in one lane. Yes. You're in the mommy lane or the self-help lane or whatever. My life is not in one lane. So I'm like, why should my podcast be in one lane? I agree. And I've started adding celebrity interviews, which I swore I would never do, but it's, fun. Yeah. And I'm getting to do interviews that aren't necessarily what I would be doing if it was on Fashion Police or on a talk show, because we can talk about kind of whatever I want and we can laugh. And I find that guests are much looser. Yeah. On podcasts. Yes. You know what? When I, I never ever thought that I would do a podcast. It was actually Philip's idea. He said he had started his podcast. He said, you know, you should really do a podcast because I think that you would enjoy it. I listened to podcasts. I just never thought I would do one. And so I said, well, okay, I, I will think about it. And he said, first, just think of, you know, what you want to do what you want to talk about, right. think of a title for it, whatever. So uh, we were sitting at dinner one night and I said, hey, I actually thought of a title for a podcast because I think it encompasses what I kind of want to talk about. And he goes, well, what is it? And he, we were eating and I said, no, you have to be looking at me when I tell you the name of it. And he goes, okay. So he looks over and I put my hands you know, up around my mouth, yeah. of course. And it was, I've got a secret. And I said, of course, it's not that I'm going to keep secrets. It's like, I want to talk to everyone, friends, people I know, people I don't know, but I want us all to get together and tell our secrets, secrets passed on from generations throughout our families, my grandmother, my mother, all of my friends that we, we get together, we talk, we share our secrets that we believe have changed our lives, have improved our lives. And I want to share those things. And I have had so much fun. So I understand completely. Yes, I understand completely why you would want to have your podcast because of your friends, your personality, you get to share everything. And, and I'm having great response and with celebrities because I try and make it fun. When I do my research on someone, Something that I might find interesting is not necessarily what you would ask in a standard interview. Also, we have more time. Yes. We can actually discuss things. Yes, yes. And because I believe that what 
a podcast can do for anyone is it does appeal to everyone out there. At some point in the podcast, something's going to appeal to everyone and they can listen to it over and over again in their spare time or when they're busy. So I think a podcast is just so perfect. And it's so free. Yes. And so you, you only have to get dressed from the waist up. <laughs> That's so true. Even better. <laughs> That's so true. And I'm on sweats. It's like, look at how I need to put on a sweater. You're used to being seen on screen when you're on yeah. television. What has been the most challenging part about switching to audio only? For me, it's putting words behind some of my reactions that normally are just sort of facial reactions or long pauses that, you know, very often like part of the routine with my mom was I would always just roll my eyes at her. That's funny. Yeah. And you can't do, and that would always get a huge laugh where I would just shake my head and just be like, Oh dear God. You know what I mean? You have to learn how to bring that to the listener without them seeing you rolling your eyes, you know, or doing that. So that's been a, that was a big transition for me. Also, the the laughing over someone while they're talking. Oh, I know. I'm so bad about that. I'm so glad you said that. You're so experienced too, and I'm oh, so thrilled to hear you say that. And and not talking over each other if there's more than one person, but that's a TV thing too. But when you're on TV and you're laughing, people can see that you're laughing. If I start laughing over someone while they're talking. You can't hear them. So I'm always like, okay, dying or you're killing me or, okay, I'm totally cracking up. You kind of have to tell people what you're doing. That's so true. That's so true because like right now you and I can see each other because we we can see each other. We're doing this virtually. We can see each other. Our listeners don't know that. So I'm sitting here listening to you. I look like a bobblehead because I'm like shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. I understand. We're both smiling. So... It's almost understandable if we talk on top of each other or we laugh. It, it's almost okay, but the listeners don't understand that. So I've had to work so hard not to do that. Oh, especially with the head nodding when you're agreeing with someone. Yes. And you're like nodding, yes, yes, yes. You have to remember sometimes to say, I agree. So true. You're totally right. You know, you have to get used to doing that. Yes. I've had to get used to explaining to the listeners exactly what's going on or why I'm agreeing. Like I want to tell the listeners right now that Melissa looks so beautiful. She was talking about, oh, you don't have to worry about anyone seeing you, but you certainly look absolutely gorgeous today. Well, I pulled it together for you, let's be honest. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, I pulled it together for you. (laughs) I usually don't. I've done a lot with wet hair. (laughs) Can I just say, you've been an actress, a host, and on reality TV. Which role has been the most difficult and which comes the most naturally for you? That's really hard because people always say, which do you like the best? And I never know Uh because I tend to want to be doing whichever job I'm not doing, which is good because that means I love all the different things I do. Most naturally, I think I'm a producer. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But when I'm hosting, I it's hard for me to get the producer clock out of my head. Uh-huh. But being a producer has made me a better host. Uh, and see. being a host has made me a better producer. I can totally understand the, that. The hardest thing for me on Fashion Police, once I took over hosting it, was not producing it in my head 
and staying in the moment as the host. Right. That well, took a minute. You couldn't tell. You were very, so very good at hosting. Oh, well, they, but if that really, and the same with the red carpets, that, that took a, that, you know, that took a minute, especially because I'm like a multitasker. Uh-huh. So I could be like, think, you know, staying in the moment, what I'm saying, they're talking to me in my ear and I'm thinking, God, we need to get to break. Yeah. But yet what makes for a good interview is staying engaged. That's so interesting because I find it so interesting to be in this world now. Philip has just started the 20th season of Dr. Phil. And by the way, can we just talk about that? I love the fact that to the world, he's Dr. Phil and you refer to him still as Philip. Yes. And people call that me on that a lot. But that, that cracks me up. It's just that so is, funny. That, that is so funny because you would think you would call him Phil. Never. And only Philip was when he's in trouble. But it's so funny that there's that designation between Dr. Phil, the TV person, and Philip, your husband, and the father. Yes. Yes. And I have to tell you, everyone in his family has always called him Phil. Every one of his friends call him Phil. But when we were dating, it was probably our first date. And we just celebrated 45 years of marriage two weeks ago. Which so- is ridiculous. <laughs> Who does that? Let me get you. What'd he get you? Oh, he got me. Oh, look, I just broke out in chills. Oh, he gave me the most gorgeous, beautiful necklace. I'm not wearing it today, but... Okay, did you... He's not listening. Did you actually really like it, or did you think, I'm going to remake this? Oh, no. No, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. He had it made. That's really sweet. He He, put some thought into that. Yes, he had it made, and I was shocked. I was shocked. He opened up the box. He opened up the box, and there it was. I was like, and I just, I'm going to be honest with you. I just snatched it out of the box. (laughs) I just went, oh, my God, and I just reached over there. I just (laughs) grabbed it, and he he started to laugh, and I went, oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to do a pretty woman moment and (laughs) close that box? He goes, no, and I, I was already putting it on myself. (laughs) <laughs> it was hilarious. What did you get him? I created a four-day tennis tournament for him in a home we just we purchased in the last year in Texas, and he had created and put in a tennis court, clay tennis court, uh, because he plays tennis every day. He's played tennis almost every day for the 45 years we've been married, 48, 49 years I've known him, and we're still working on the house itself, but the court was finished, and I created a four-day tennis weekend for 25 of his best friends, 12 from L.A., like 13 from Dallas, and I took the girls and went to Cabo, but— I was going to say, did you, yeah. did you like, say— I've got this set up. Just follow the itinerary. Yes. I'm out of here. Yes, I did. But but they had the time of their lives. It's a first annual thing, and they're gonna <laughs> gonna bring them all out now to L.A. to play on our court at home. And we That's didn't a miss a trick. Yeah, he had the time of his life, and and I've heard from the men have written the nicest notes, and they've all said that it was something that they'll never forget. So he really loved it. That happened just last week. So that's amazing. He and I have crossed paths in a few few tennis tournaments. Uh-huh. I, however, am a much lower ranked player than him. <laughs> oh, and I he's have very no problem good. with that. He's very oh, he's good. ridiculous. He's an A player. Yeah, yeah. He's I've he's, never been. I, I'm a low B on a good day. He plays with the pros. Like when Oh, when, I know. He's ridiculous. Because we have this clay court when the French Open is is coming up, the the pros, current pros will come over and re- 
practice at the house and he plays in there with them. So he's that good. You know, he, he loves is, it that he much. Is, he is truly really yeah. good. I don't know how we got off on this topic. I'm going to ask about your anniversary. Yeah. But when I said, oh, I think because I call him Philip, but we were on our yes. first date and I asked him, what's your full name? And he said, Philip Calvin McGraw. And I said, oh, I love that name. I love the name Philip. And I said, I think I want to call you Philip. Can I? And he said, whisper it in my ear. And I whispered it in his ear. He said, yep, only you can call me Philip. So I've done it. That was a, that was a smooth move. That was a yeah. hot move. <laughs> so I've done it Crafty. from the first date. <laughs> Crafty. I do love the name, though. So I've never called him Phil. I think if I called him Phil, he, he would think I was mad at him. <laughs> okay, so enough of him. Let's get back to us. Have you okay. ever had a red carpet interview go horribly wrong? I've been dying to ask you that. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, really? I've had so many go horribly wrong. <sighs> In what way? The, be the beauty of live TV is you just keep going. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, I've had people be rude. I've had people have meltdowns. I've had people yell at me for stuff that had nothing to do with me. I had one actor just tee off on the network on E! while I was interviewing him. And I kept trying to sort of diffuse it. And finally, the executive producer said, my ear, this is live. Just let him go. Oh. Just like let him say what he needs to say. And he actually came up afterwards and apologized to me saying, that wasn't it you. Oh. I'm like, no, I figured that. Oh, my God. Did you get the apology on camera? No. Gone. We were already off the air. This oh. was like hours later. But, you know, when you work in live TV, shit goes wrong. Yep. Wow. You have to say, I always say you have to be light on your feet. Speaking of E, you know, our new daughter-in-law is on E. Really? Yes. She hosts uh, Daily Pop and Nightly Pop. Nice. Yes. She's in the, in the, in the, in the, she's been sucked into the black hole. She is such a doll. She and our youngest son were married in December. They have already given us our uh, granddaughter, Ro Ringley. Wow. She's six, almost seven months old. She's just adorable. Wow. And they just announced this week that baby number two is on the way. Man, they're at it. I know it. They're just they adorable. They're at it. We love her so but much. But he, he, he's a great place to work and learn. I mean, and, and it's we always joke, it's like once you're in that vortex, you can keep crawling out, but it somehow always sucks you back in. <laughs> they're so good to her, especially during the Which pandemic and the pregnancy. Yeah. Okay, so... Who do you absolutely love to see on the red carpet? Fashion-wise or interview-wise? I think let's do both. Okay. Fashion-wise, oh, it, always, Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett. Oh, um, yes. You know, all the, all the glamour women. I mean, we got – it's interesting because when you look back on the red carpet, I think one of the reasons that it worked when my mom and I started doing it was it was – was also sort of the rise of these actresses that were very into fashion. Yes. Because if you look before, there were always one or two that got dressed up, or I mean, everyone's dressed up, but one or two that was fashiony or just share or that kind of thing. But it was kind of also the rise of these fashionista actresses. And I don't, I, I think it was a very, I think it all kind of was a perfect storm. Yes. In that sense. So, you know, you still look, and, and all these years later, 
who are the ones we wait for? For uh-huh. the most part, there's always a couple of young ones coming up. Mm-hmm. We still wait for Nicole Kidman. Yes. We still wait for Kate Blanchett. We still wait for Halle Berry. We still wait for Charlize. We still wait for the same women 25 years in. True. Which is fascinating to me. That is so true. And God bless the designers that they love and love them. You know, I was just talking, I was doing an interview the other day about the Met Gala mm-hmm. and just talking about past looks. And we were talking about how it seems like these young designers, specific ones have taken very specific places of other ones. Like this person has become the new this person. Yes. Yet there's still basic styles that keep coming back architectural. So the person who was the big architectural person that suddenly everybody was wearing is now wearing so-and-so. Yeah. So it's like Bob has been replaced by Lou, yep. you know, yet the concepts are just, it's, it just keeps, it's all the same wheel. You just make it look different. And I wish someone <clears throat> would do a, either a, an article or a documentary or something and find out if Bob inspired Lou, because always. they deserve the credit. They deserve always. The you always see inspiration. And I find that when you listen to designers and you hear them talk, they do credit being inspired by others. Oh, I love that. It's one of it's one of the sort of arts where they really do talk about inspiration. They do that with yeah. music as well. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I find that is one of the, you know, all the, as you know, the entertainment business is awful. Mm-hmm. and dirty and everybody's, you know, crawling and clawing their way through. Um, so I always find it really nice when you hear in the music business, which is so difficult, them saying certain people in, in inspired them. And you find that a lot in design too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're very quick to say, Yes, this person was my influence. Oh, I, I, yeah, I love to hear that because we've lost some amazing, talented, brilliant designers, Valentino, Lagerfeld. Mm-hmm. We've lost them, and and I, I feel like they should, their their brilliance and their talent should live on forever. And it really does. It is fashion is one of, and I, I'm lumping it in with arts. Yeah, where you really can see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. So who is your style icon? Oh, God. Nine times out of 10, I look at whatever Kate Blanchett's wearing and go, ooh, I love that. Um, I, I I could never wear what Nicole Kidman wears and pull off, but I always am just like, oh, I'm, I'm totally lusting after that. If I had the body and height of Zendaya. Oh, I was oh just God. thinking her as well. And 30 years younger. Yeah. I would be all about that. Yes. Jessica Chastain is one of my... Jessica Chastain always looks beautiful. Yes. Penelope Cruz. Yes. Just always elegant, but never feels old. Yes. You know? Just beautiful. And, you, you know, the sad thing is, is most of the fashion that I'm attracted to looks terrible on me. I agree with that. I you know what I mean? I, I, there's certain things which I would love to be able to wear, and I just can't. Mm-hmm. It just does not look good on me. And that's such a talent to figure out what you can wear and what you shouldn't wear. 
Right. And it's not always what you want to wear. It sometimes isn't what you can wear. That's so true. That's so true. And you, you know, you do learn over the years, shapes, colors, styles, you know, my mother could carry off clothes. She Mm -hmm. could wear big prints and big jackets with these fabulous collars and these coats and, you know, huge jewelry. And I look ridiculous in it. Yes, it's such a shame, isn't it? Because if I try to pull off something like that, I look like I'm wearing Phillips clothes. It's like, oh, I'm wearing Phillips jacket if I try to pull off something like that. Right. And I put on a lot of my mom's jackets and stuff like that after she passing, you know, trying to keep some or Mm -hmm. recut them. And first of all, I look so much like my mother that I looked like my mother. Oh. So, But also, I just can't wear that. I tried to do like the big flowy dresses and all that cannot do that you know this cannot look this look of the the uh, blazer just just on the shoulders you know put your arms in the sleeves you just these women that walk around and they just have the blazer First on their I shoulders keep it on my shoulder. I, can't, I, I can't i look like i've wrapped a blanket around me like a comforter I, but i can't keep it on my shoulder i can't either how do they do it and they walk so gracefully I, through the room i i don't know but i'm like oh sorry like pulling and <laughs> yeah. you know just like strapless. I was always the one pulling it up. I actually one day thought, well, maybe I should borrow one of my granddaughters and lay it up there on my shoulders. And maybe that would stay up there. But maybe I wouldn't look so silly. You also can't get in and out of a car like that. You have to, you can't sit in your car. I mean, do you know how many times, I don't know if this happens to anybody else and we're getting off track. So I have my phone cord in my car yeah. More, I very often don't even realize that I've put my seatbelt through my phone cord <laughs> and I go to pick up the phone. I'm just like, I am such a mess all the time. And I think that's a secret. People don't realize I am clumsy. Yeah. And I'm always a mess. I can never find my glasses. Oh my gosh. I'm always the person with my glasses on going, where are they? <laughs> I'm so you. I, that's so me. I just recently broke my foot in my house because I wasn't, I was, I had my laptop in my hands and I was typing something, walking in my own home and walked down two steps from the foyer into the hallway and broke my foot. I do that stuff all that I walk. I, my, my son always makes fun of me because I always have bruises on my, on the outside of my shoulders from catching door frames. Like I'm always like, seriously, how can you not? He's like, you're so athletic. How can you? I go, I'm fine I know. when I'm in motion. I'm so glad if the big I'm shoulder just, pads have come back. If I'm just living my life, I'm a disaster. I've always have bruises on my shins. Yes. I'm getting in and out of the car. Like you would think at this point, I'm 50 years old. I could get in and out of my own car. I totally agree. You, It's oh, so yeah. embarrassing to pull up to valet and go to get out of your car and go, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to undo my seatbelt. Oh, all the time. I'm always getting out without my seatbelt undone. Oh my. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gosh. The first page of a book never tells the full story. 
And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Okay, so we've come to a place in the podcast that I do two things with every podcast. And the first thing is drink of the day. And so as I was just saying, I recently took a girl's trip to Cabo. And the hotel signature drink when we arrived was something that they called a tequila martini. And they handed us these drinks immediately upon arrival. And we got to listen to an incredible band while sipping on them, a mariachi band. Oh, it was so much fun. So tequila and gin? I have created. It wasn't gin. It was just tequila. Well, that answers a lot of questions. (laughs) I know. I know. Yes, and I did spill one of mine on one of their chairs, and I told them, and they fixed it. It was so embarrassing. But because I'm loving our girl time right now, Melissa, I thought it was perfect to make this drink our drink of the day. So as you see, sadly, we're virtual. I can't hand you one, but I'm showing you one. It's and pretty. We're calling this the Cabo Martini. It's pretty. What's the garnish? This garnish is a lemon zest, Ooh. but I'm going to tell you what's in it. Please. This has two ounces of tequila, 1.5 ounces of pure cranberry juice, 1.5 ounces of pure grapefruit juice, and you squeeze some lemon in it. It has one ounce of triple sec, tahine on the rim, which is so tasty. You have to wet your martini glass and rim it with the tahine. Combine the tequila juices and triple sec into a shaker and shake until frosty. Pour into the rimmed martini glass and enjoy. So okay, cheers. Robin, knock it back. I'm going knock to. It back. I'm going to. Count me down. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. It's like back in college. Go, go, go. go. Where's my straw, girls? Go. Oh, I almost did it. Chug, chug, okay. chug, chug, chug. So, have you ever had a drink with tahine on the rim? No, but I'm, I use tahine a lot. Well, I never it's, had until they served this one. And it is. You know what it's really good on besides? It's really good on fruit, which you know. Oh. Oh, you've never put it on fruit? No. Ooh, muy delicioso. Um, The other day, a friend of mine put it on corn. Ooh. And it was really good. It's like a version of street corn. Well, that sounds very delicious. So cheers to you, Melissa. Cheers to you, Robin. And the next time we're together, we'll have one of these. This is a big old glass, too. So I want all my listeners to go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com, and you'll get to see this beautiful drink, and you'll see the recipe. And you'll even get to see some photos from my girls' trip to Cabo. Okay. So have you ever tried stand-up comedy? Because I think you would be fantastic at it. Um, Hell no. (gasps) Really? You've I never mean, tried it. Um, I hosted something once, like, you know, I was supposed to, like, it just, it's, 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 it's not a skill set I have, nor that I want to develop. Oh, you okay. know, it's just, I love being funny. I love making people laugh. Um, I think it would have been really, un- it would be a really unhealthy thing for me to do. 
because I spent my life being compared anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and my mother was a genius. Yes, she was. And a, 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 a rule breaker and a pioneer. Um, sometimes you just got to know what to, not only should you know in life what to do, you also need to know what not to do. That's so true. And you- And I think it would be- it would be setting myself up for criticism, which I get plenty of, <laughs> um, and failure, which I get everyone in the entertainment business gets more than our share of. That's so true. I think people, you, you talk about secrets. I think one of the great secrets of the entertainment business is it's an endless life of rejection, no matter who you are. Sadly. There's a, there's a great story about Barbara Streisand that at the height of her movie career, it still took her seven years to get Yentl made. Oh. And this was when she was at the pinnacle as an actress, a performer, a director. Like it's so for seven years or six years, whatever it was, all she heard was no. Oh. On a passion project that she was gonna star in, sing in, and direct. Wow. That's a shame. And, but you all I always use that as a touchstone, a touch point saying, it's everybody. Very mm -hmm. few actresses are ever any, or actors are everyone's first choice for a part. Wow. So by the time a script gets to someone, nine times out of 10, someone's already rejected it. So you already weren't someone's first choice. Oh. And I, I recently, not, well, in the last year, we've all read the story about Ryan Reynolds' movie that was such a big hit, and I'm totally blanking on it right now. It took him so long to get that, movie made. I shouldn't have even brought it up. Deadpool. Yes. Yes. It's like shocking. It was such a yeah. hit. So you, yeah, it's, it's just, and I don't think people understand that for, they only see the good part of the entertainment business, but it is a world of rejection, struggle, hurt. Um, the people don't understand the hours because everyone just sees the, the glamorous part of it yes. and the fun of it. But on the flip side, we have the best jobs in the world. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, I totally admire and respect your decision because your mother was such a genius and such an icon. So I, you know, and it's a hard enough business as it is. Yep. So another commonality between us, we both have sons. And yeah. I, I have to say, I loved, I have always loved raising boys. And of course, they're grown, grown, married. They have children of their own. And but we both know you never stop being a mother. You never stop mothering. What's your take on being the mother of a son? Oh, I loved being a boy's mom. Yeah. You know, I am, and I have an only child. Yeah. So you know, I do everything but like wrap myself around his ankles and beg him not to leave. <laughs> um, I love being a boy's mom. Everyone's like, don't you wish you had a girl? I'm like, I don't know if I would know what to do with a girl. Um, I'm sure I would have figured it out. Of course we, but yeah. I've always, all my friends are always like, you're, you've, I've always been a boy's mom. I'm not a girly girl. Yeah. Um, God, it's just the best. I, but you have to be, but you have to be prepared that boys are very different than girls. They're sadly our wonderful, perfect baby boys and our little 10 year olds, 11 year olds, and they just curl up and say, I love you, mommy, do turn into men. <laughs> which yes. is slightly unfortunate. And it seems to happen overnight, doesn't it? <laughs> For as soon as what I used to call the smell fairy arrive, <laughs> it's all 
<laughs> but you know, sadly they grow up into men and they yeah. do things and boys do things and you go, oh my God, they're so, boys are so dumb. <laughs> They're so dumb. I say they're babies their whole lives. I've always, you know, I still call both of my boys baby. They'll, they'll walk in and, they'll, and I'll say, oh, hi, baby. And thank heavens, they never ask me not to call them baby. I'm like, I don't know what I'd ever do if they said, you know, I'm I'm 40 years old. Mom, don't call me baby. I'm like, oh, they still let me I call still, them baby. I still call Cooper. I'm like, my sweet. Oh, how cute. Hello, my sweet. Oh. And he gets so, I mean, he gets so annoyed at me. That's so but yeah, the, the big, the hardest part about raising boys is that they turn into men. Yep. And you, like, I know I have raised on my own a good man. Oh. Like, I see that. He is a good person. He is a good young man. He is respectful of women. Oh. Granted, he's always been surrounded by strong women and women who don't hurt him. Oh. So he he really, you always say, oh, they love women, but like he genuinely loves women. Like he, he understands women that work. He understands strong, he doesn't see anything other than equals and partnership. Oh, that's wonderful. And I see him now as a boyfriend and he has a lovely girlfriend, how beautifully he treats her and more importantly, how beautifully she treats him. Oh, bravo. That's one. And that's, I think, part of how you raise boys. Yes. I always thought it was my responsibility to teach both of my boys how to treat a woman. Yeah. And how to be good men. Yes. Because men, I don't think, and I, I'm, I, I'm not dissing men. Men no. don't know what the hell they're doing 95% of the time. <laughs> I, they can I totally focus on one thing at a time. And women by nature can multitask. So it's sort of yeah. our responsibility as mothers to raise men more importantly, that are respectful of women and see them completely as equals. I, I completely agree. I love hearing that. Was it difficult seeing him go off to college? Oh, my God. I can't. I, this is the he's a junior this year. And first year was really hard. Then he came home. He did go back for his sophomore year in a very limited capacity. I felt OK dealing with that. And this year, for some reason, has been crushing. <gasps> Because he also, he transferred and he's at a school much closer to home where when he was cross country, it was like, oh, he's cross country. Now we're in the same state in the same time zone. And I was yeah. just like, when are you coming to see me? He's just like, not. Yeah. It's like, oh, but you're so close. You can come now. No. Or yeah. Come home, fly home for the weekend. He's like, mom, we have to pretend that I'm still cross country. Oh. What do you think about the most important part of being a boy's mom other than having a, you know, a punch card at the emergency room, you know, like third, fifth visit free. Yeah. <laughs> and at the orthopedist, like third fracture free. You know oh, I, mean? I know. I know. Cause both of my boys were athletes and I went to every one of their games and, you know, I coached their little league games until, you know, of course, Philip took over. But I loved watching them do their sports and everything. But I think the best part of being the mom of boys, I have to start this by saying I grew up always wanting to raise sons. I always wanted to raise a boy. I was just so thankful to, to have sons and because I had a twin brother. And I think maybe that was part of the influence of my hopes and dreams. But I've always 
had this soft place in my heart for boys because I always look at them and I just see the innocence in them. Just always wanted them to be happy and always wanted them to have fun in life. But if I had to be honest, I would say between me and Philip, I was the more strict parent. I felt like I was the greater taskmaster. Yes. So it was, really? it was kind of, I just had kind of played both of those roles. You know, I always wanted them to have fun in life and whatever game they were playing, they would run out on the court or run out on the field. The last thing I would say, Philip would give them sports advice, but I would always say, have fun, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this has just been fantastic. Do you have any exciting projects coming up? Yes, actually. I just turned in my fourth book. <gasps> Congratulations. Thank you. Can you it's been tell a couple of years it? between them. It comes out around Mother's Day Ooh, next year. I love that. And it is called Lies My Mother Told Me. <gasps> oh, that's <laughs> a great title. It's a it's the opposite of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've written I've written quite a few books, and I know that they always say, don't talk about a book until the listeners can actually go get it, because right. it's very frustrating. I, yeah, I just turned it in. We're looking at a Mother's Day release date, oh. and it's a, it's a straight-up humor book. Oh, I can't it wait. Straight-up humor. Oh, you must promise me to come on Philip's show and, and launch it. Oh. Are you kidding me? Of course. It's like one of my normal stops along the way. Oh, that will be fantastic. And please promise me you'll do this podcast again would you, when it comes out. For you, anytime. Oh, I love it. Well, we've come to a place in our podcast when I talked earlier about two things we always do. This is the second thing we always do, and it's play a game. Do you okay. like to play games? Yes. Oh, good. Well, since you produced and hosted the fabulous favorite show, Fashion Police... We're going to do our own version on I've Got uh -oh. a Secret. And this game is called Icons Only. Okay. And you can tell. I that see a bracket. I see a bracket. Yes. So my team has been very busy and we've created this game. And it's I've made a bracket sort of like March Madness basketball bracket with some iconic fashion looks from over the years. The left side will be my favorite picks. The right side will be your favorite picks. We're going to keep picking until we both have our top looks. A coin toss will then decide the ultimate look. So let's get started. The first okay. battle is Halle Berry's burgundy mesh flower embroidered dress from the 2002 Oscars or... J-Lo's green tropical Versace dress with the plunging neckline from the 2000 Grammys. So the Halle Berry one, I believe, was Ellie Saab. And we all know that the green J-Lo was Versace. Yes. So, see, this is tough because one may went down in history, but one was also like so incredibly beautiful and what Hallie won the Academy Award in. Yes. Oh. So it's it's are we talking impact or just like? I think favorite. I'm gonna go with Hallie because it was such a moment for her, even though JLo's uh dress became so iconic and was such a huge 
moment in red carpet fashion. I think you're right. Okay, so Halle Berry wins the first battle. Okay, and so my pick, I'm going with Halle Berry's as well. Okay. Okay? Okay, so the next is Princess Diana's black revenge dress from 1994 okay. or Audrey Hepburn's little black dress and pearls from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, so. not even a competition. What? Audrey Hepburn. Oh, I'm so happy you said that because, you know, Princess Di has on a gorgeous dress. But Audrey Hepburn, hands down, hands down. But she, she, she became the icon of, she became, you know, it, the, the little black dress, she created that sort of iconic look. Yes. So you wouldn't have had Princess Diana's dress without Audrey Hepburn. That is so true. And I am such an Audrey <laughs> Hepburn fan. I mean, she's hanging around the corner here in my office. So... The next one, Rihanna's see-through diamond gown from the 2014 CFDAs or Gwyneth Paltrow's pink Ralph Lauren gown at the 1999 Oscars. Ooh, again, this is like the Halle Jennifer matchup. Ooh, I know. Because <clears throat> one is more iconic than the other. Gosh, I know. Let me see. God, but I'm such a huge Rihanna fan. Fan. Oh, and Rihanna. But that pink dress sort of was a fashion moment. I have to say, just looking at the photos, there's just something about Gwyneth's. I'm going to have to pick Gwyneth's dress. Look at her in that photo. Yeah, I'm going to go Gwyneth again, fashion moment. But I got to tell you, of one woman we forgot to mention that I always would look forward to is Rihanna. Oh, are you picking Rihanna? No, no, I'm going to pick okay. her, but I'm saying in general. <clears throat> Rih- yeah, I was saying women I used to look forward to seeing, Rihanna. True, true. She, she kills it every time. Nailed it. Yes, she kills nailed it every it. time. <clears throat> okay. And to finish, finish out the first round, Julia Roberts' red dress in Pretty Woman or Marilyn Monroe's white dress in The Seven Year Itch. Oh, Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, hands down again. Again, Marilyn Monroe is someone I'm just, I'm crazy about. But also that was an iconic, iconic dress that has been replicated different ways throughout the years. It was, it was, as we would say, a fashion moment. Yes. I mean, look at that. Now we have to decide between Hallie and Audrey. Who do you pick between Hallie and Audrey? I don't think anyone's ever going to beat Audrey. Agree. Like, it's like throwing in a ringer. Agree. Okay, so it's Audrey for me and Audrey for you. And I think it's a no-brainer. Do you go with Marilyn? Yeah. I'm going with Marilyn as well. Marilyn beats and then Gwyneth. I, I, to, to me, Audrey wins. She was the, you know, the little black, black dress is the little black dress because of her. Yes. And Givenchy. And, I mean, head to toe, look at her. The, the hair, yeah. the gloves, and Marilyn. She, I, she is, Audrey Hepburn is probably cited yeah. by every single woman on that board as a fashion inspiration and a fashion icon, including Rihanna. Exactly. I, mean, I just feel like you're you're not going to be Audrey Hepburn. We so agree. You're brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I try. Well, <laughs> I loved our game today. 
Oh, my gosh. Okay, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Melissa, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I have just had the time of my life. Can you please tell the listeners when and where to listen to group text and where they can find you on social media? Sure. It's Melissa Rivers Group Text. It is on all platforms where you can find podcasts. On Twitter and Instagram, I am Melissa Rivers Official. And on Facebook, I think I'm the same thing. I'm not really 100% sure. And that's it. I'm, you know, you can find me just about. I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I, I seem to be like a cockroach. I just keep popping up <laughs> everywhere. Oh, my gosh. You're hilarious. You're fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Secret Squad, visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for behind-the-scenes photos, drink recipes, and places to submit your secrets. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.